Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, for those of you here in the room, those of you who are joining us online, thanks for taking time to be with us today. We're glad that you are here. Now I want to invite you to participate in something right here at the beginning. So find a place where you can write something down. Maybe the notes app on your phone, maybe the back of the bulletin, maybe a scrap piece of paper, maybe your hand. A couple of you are with me or heard a couple of little giggles. That's okay. Let's relax a little bit, everybody. Okay, just relax. Find a place where you can write things down. And then here's what I want you to do as you find a place where you can write. We're going to give you about 90 seconds, and we might even have a countdown on the screen that will help us know when we're getting to the end of the 90 seconds. We're not playing the Jeopardy theme song, so it's okay. This is not a test. You won't be graded on this. But what I want you to do is write down as many things as you possibly can that bring you joy. It might be a hot bowl of soup on a cold winter's day. It might be a nice long walk on a beach. It might be watching the sunrise or watching the sunset. Whatever it is, just jot down as many things as you possibly can that bring you joy. And we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock on your mark. Get set. Go. Hopefully those of you who are joining us online are playing along right now and you are actually engaged in this process as well as many things as you can think of that bring you joy, write them down. Got about 32 seconds left. Last 15 seconds. Three, two, one. All right, now, here's what I want you to do. Uh, again, we're going to keep the physical distancing. We're going to respect the no COVID zone, okay, around your neighbor, all right? But I want you to just to look at someone near you and just share a couple of things from your list that bring you joy. Just find a, somebody near you, look at them. Share with them. For those of you who are online right now, there's a chat bar on the right side, and you can just enter those things in there, uh, and that will allow you to share with other people who are gathering online with us uh, what brings you joy. Just share two or three of those items.
All right. Let me call us back together, and let me call us back together with a question. How many of you, when you wrote down things that bring you joy, how many of you wrote down difficult things? Okay, got one. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, one back there. Great. Okay, one. Good. All right, so a few. Um, I didn't write down a single difficult thing on my list because difficult things don't tend to bring me joy. I, when I think about difficult things, I don't tend to connect difficult and joy. I tend to, I tend to connect relaxing and joy and fun and joy. Uh, I actually, uh, when things are easy, they tend to sometimes bring me a little more joy than the difficult things. Right? Difficult and joy don't always go together because we tend to almost see them as opposites. Right? Except we find in the scriptures a different story because when you look at like verses like Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you read these words, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch the phrase in that verse? who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Difficult and joy, they don't seem to go together, but neither do crosses and joy. And yet, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Today's the first Sunday of, of Lent, as Pastor Christian said earlier, and Lent is this 40-day period of time uh, excluding Sundays, we don't count Sundays in the number, but 40 days between Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, and Easter. 40 days in there, minus the Sundays, that's the period of Lent. And this period in the church year is really a time for reflection, personal examination, and repentance. It's a time for us to journey with Christ to the cross, and along the way to see what Christ might want to do in our lives to make us more like himself. And so in this somber period of time that the church has set apart for centuries to really journey with Christ to the cross, we actually look inside of ourselves with the Spirit's help to say, God, is there anything in us that needs to be changed so that we can be more like you? And this year, as we're walking through the period of Lent, we're actually going to journey with Christ to the cross through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to examine how Jesus actually pursued difficult things for the joy that was set before him. Not because the cross itself was particularly filled with joy or the journey to the cross was always filled with joy and excitement for Jesus, but because the journey at the end of it filled him with immense joy because of what it accomplished. 
right? He went to the cross to redeem humanity. He went to the cross to demonstrate God's love. He went to the cross so that we would know who he is and we would have the opportunity to become everything that he created us to be. And for Jesus, he endured the cross for that joy, the joy that had been set before him, the joy of our salvation, the joy of our transformation, and so we're going to walk through the gospel of Mark during the season of Lent. And as we do, we're going to hear the call of Jesus to us. Because peppered throughout the gospel of Mark, you find Jesus looking at these group of, of followers and saying to them different things like, hey guys, you should leave everything behind and follow me. In another place, he says to them, guys, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. In another place, he says, if you want to be great, you're going to have to learn how to be humbled. If you want to be first, you're going to have to learn to be last. If you want to actually learn to be great, you're going to have to actually become the servant of all. In another place, he's going to say to them that you're going to be required to actually give your life, to sacrifice, to see the purposes of God fulfilled. None of those calls of Jesus are easy, and none of them are particularly fun. But each of them is Jesus' call to us to take a journey to become like him. And what I want you to know today and during the season of Lent is that there's joy in the journey. There's joy in the journey. Every time Jesus invites you to something and you take that step of obedience, even though it might be hard and difficult and challenging and in the moment, usually not fun. But when you take the step, there's immense joy that waits you on the other side. And so during the season of Lent, I'm inviting you to lean in to this series that we're going to be walking through, to hear again the call of Jesus. Now, it's interesting in the Gospel of Mark, as he's making these calls, these invitations to his disciples to go deeper into this journey of discipleship, uh, and many of them, he actually, before he speaks to his disciples, he looks at the cross. In the Gospel of Mark, he will say things like, the Son of Man has to die. You should deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In another place, he'll, he'll say it again. The Son of Man has to go to Jerusalem and give his life for many. You're going to have to give up your life if you want to walk with me. In another place, he'll say, I got to go die in Jerusalem. I got to give my life for humanity. And then he'll look at his disciples and say, I'm going to need you to learn how to serve. So we're going to journey with Jesus to the cross through the gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at all of those invitations, all of those calls that Jesus gives in the gospel of Mark, and I believe God's going to challenge us to take some difficult steps deeper into the journey of discipleship. And those are not going to seem fun or easy, but they're going to be worth it. Amen? They're going to be worth it because there's joy in the journey. Now, this morning, uh, before we get to the Gospel of Mark next week, I want to kind of frame the entire series by looking at this passage in Philippians chapter 2 that was read for you just a moment ago on the screens. In Philippians chapter 2, we find 
Paul inviting the church in Philippi to actually uh, follow Jesus, right? And he does it by using what's been called one of the earliest hymns of the early church. Starting about verse 5, we get into the actual text of the hymn where Paul says that you should have this same mind, the one that is yours in Christ Jesus. The one who, being in very nature God, did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself and he made himself nothing. He took on human form, and as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And as a result, God has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord of all, to the glory of God the Father. This is the hymn that I want to unpack for us this morning as we start this journey of Lent. Because when you think about this hymn, a hymn that was used in worship in the early church to instruct, to remind, and to lead the people of God in worshiping Jesus, you find that this hymn contains an awful lot about who Jesus is and about what Jesus did for us. So can we just for a couple of minutes this morning just turn and fix our eyes on Jesus? Can we just look at him this morning? Because I don't know anybody else better to look at today than Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. Jesus is our example. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So this morning, we look at this passage of Scripture as we fix our eyes on Jesus, and we discover very quickly that Jesus answered the call. Think about it. The fact that Jesus fully God, answers the call of the triune God to go to earth, to leave the comforts of heaven and the reality of everything that he knew there in the presence of the triune God in heaven. He leaves that to come to earth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Think about that. What kind of God stoops to become like his creation. The God of the Bible does that. I don't know any other God that does that. Only the one recorded in this book does that. Became flesh and dwelt among us. He answered the call. Not only did he answer the call, but you realize pretty quickly in this passage of Scripture that he denied himself. 
Jesus is going to invite us to deny ourselves to follow him. But before he ever does that, he denies himself. The one who was God did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. No, he just emptied himself. He let go of that so he could fully identify with our humanity so that he could become just like us. As Tony Evans says, he unzipped the robe of divinity and zipped up the robe of humanity. Emptied himself. Jesus did that. He answered the call. He denies himself. He humbled himself. The passage says he actually took on human form and humbled himself by becoming obedient. Think about it. The one who doesn't need to take orders from anybody willingly submitted himself to the plan of the Godhead to redeem humanity. I was thinking about this this morning in my office and I was recalling Jesus praying in the garden where he prays to his father and he says, this cup that you've given me, this cup of dying for this creation that we have made, could you let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's humility. Humility that takes him all the way to obedience. Think about the fact that not only did Jesus deny himself, not only did Jesus humble himself, but he became a servant. He became a servant. The, the word used in this passage is the Greek word doulos. It, it literally means the lowest form of servitude. Jesus didn't just come down a little bit. He came all the way down, and he lowered himself. And we know this because he told his disciples that he was there not to be served, but to serve. Think about it. There are very few people in this world who actually have the right to demand to be served. But Jesus had every right to demand to be served. He's God. I mean, he literally could, could walk into any room and say, serve me, and it not be weird, because he actually deserves to be served by every human being, because he is God, and yet he doesn't come demanding to be served. He comes and he puts a towel around his waist, and he gets a basin of water, and he washes the feet of his disciples. What kind of God does this? Just keep, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, because he's pretty amazing. He answers the call, denies himself, humbles himself, becomes a servant, and then, because the work is not done until he gives his life, he actually becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. And by the way, dying on a cross is not a popular way to die. It's not, it's not a glorious way to die. It's not a heroic way to die. That's where criminals are killed. 
That's where the outcasts and the traitors are hung. And Jesus dies that way, obedient to death, even death on a cross. He doesn't deserve that. He is without sin, perfect in every way, and yet he faces false accusations. He faces screaming crowds who want him to die, and he actually allows himself to be beaten and bloodied and bruised and hung on a cross for us. What kind of God dies? The God of the Bible does that. Jesus is worthy of our praise today. A God who would answer the call, his own call, deny himself, humble himself, become a servant, and sacrifice his life for all of humanity. That kind of God deserves to be worshiped and he deserves to be praised. I think this is why the early church took these words that we've been looking at and they put them into a hymn. It's probably a hymn that they used a lot in worship. They might have even sung it like we sing our choruses where they just keep repeating it over and over again. I know some of you don't like that, but sometimes it's good for us to repeat words, to be reminded, let them go deep into our hearts and minds. Maybe, maybe the worship leader in the early church said, let's sing it again, because he just couldn't get enough of what Jesus has done for us. I don't know how they use this hymn in worship because I wasn't there. We don't have a lot of records describing it, but we know that they use this in worship because they were trying to instruct and guide their people to remember who Jesus was and what Jesus did so that their hearts would be full of praise and thanksgiving. But that's not all that they use this hymn for. Because Jesus isn't just someone to be praised. He is someone to be followed. The hymn begins by saying, having the same mind which is yours in Christ Jesus. Some translations say it a little differently. They say more of a command. Your attitude, your mindset, your lifestyle should be exactly the same as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, but he emptied himself. And he took on human form. And he became a servant, obedient to death, even death on a cross, and God exalted him. You should be just like Jesus. You see, we look at Jesus in this hymn in Philippians chapter 2, and we ought to have a response of praise. That's the first response. But the second one that comes right behind it is devotion. We praise Jesus, and then we devote ourselves to becoming like him. Because just like Jesus, we too have to answer the call. Jesus is going to call us in the gospel of Mark to leave everything behind to follow him. 
And just like Jesus, we're going to have to deny ourselves. Right? We've got to actually deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Just like Jesus, we too are going to have to learn humility. Right? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Just like Jesus, we're supposed to be humble people. Just like Jesus, we're supposed to serve. In fact, Jesus is going to say that when you look at the world, you'll see people who are constantly elevating themselves above those that they lead, above those that they're called to guide and direct. And Jesus says, not so among my people. If you want to be first, you got to be last. If you want to be great, you got to serve. Just like Jesus, we got to learn to be servants. And just like Jesus, we have to sacrifice for the purposes of God to be fulfilled in our day and in our time. Jesus is someone we must fix our eyes on. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. We fix our eyes on him, and the first thing that we do when we really see him, we give him praise, we give him worship, we give him thanksgiving because he deserves that. But then right behind that, we give him our lives. Right? I love the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and it talks about the fact that our words, that's an offering far too small. He demands my life. He demands my all. We give Jesus praise, but we also give him our devotion. That's what we're called to. And in this season of Lent, I'm inviting you to lean in to this journey. Lean in to the journey of watching Jesus walk to the cross and along the way stop and look at us and invite us deeper into discipleship, deeper into a life of devotion to him. And as you hear his call, you're going to be reminded over and over again that that seems hard. The world says elevate yourself, but Jesus says lower yourself. That's hard. That's not fun. At every point when Jesus calls you to do something and you encounter the difficulty of that, what I want you to really remember during these next several weeks is that there is joy in the journey. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And as Jesus invites you deeper into discipleship, you can, for the joy that is set before you, take the journey with Jesus and become everything that he wants you to be. There's joy in the journey. And I want you to remember that as we walk through these weeks together. To that end, uh, as you leave this morning, we're going to give you a bracelet. I've already got mine on because I got an inside track here. This little bracelet's got two words on it. It says, choose joy. Choose joy. We're going to give you one of these on your way out. Uh, so as you exit the sanctuary, there'll be people with these bracelets, and you can have one. And what we want you to do is put this on. And we want you to wear it during the season of Lent. Some of you are going to say, well, that's weird. It's going to be awkward. I'm not used to wearing something on my wrist. Or I've already got a cool bracelet that I wear. And I'm just going to tell you, please wear this one too. And if it's awkward or weird or gets in your way, as this one has done for me today, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. 
Because every time you look down at it, you just see those words, choose joy. And throughout the season of Lent, as Jesus invites you deeper into discipleship, and you have to think about what it means to deny yourself, what it means to be humbled, what it means to serve, what it means to sacrifice, and you think, this is hard, this is difficult, this is not fun, I just want you to look down at the bracelet, and I want you to be reminded that there's joy in the journey. Sometimes difficult things lead us into immense joy if we're willing to take the journey. So when those moments happen over the next several weeks, look at the bracelet, remind yourself there's joy in the journey, and then choose joy. Choose joy, because I'm going to tell you right now, while following Jesus is not the easiest life in the world, it's not the easiest life in the world, it is the best. It is the best. And some of you are going to experience in the next several weeks, God inviting you deeper into himself. And it might be hard, and it might be difficult, and it might be challenging, and it might even be not fun. That's okay, because it's worth it. So choose joy. Now, in a minute, Pastor Jared's going to come. He's going to close our service. Got a couple of announcements and things that you need to be aware of, and he's going to send us out with a benediction. But before that, I want to just—I want to just pray for you and with you, that God would do a work in us during this season of Lent. That we would lean in, that we would see Jesus more clearly, and that we would follow him more closely, and that we would choose joy at every turn. So can we pray together? Father, we come before you today, and before we say anything else, We just want to tell you, God, that we love you. That our hearts today are full of thanksgiving and praise because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, we thank you that you answered the call, that you emptied yourself that you took on flesh and made your dwelling among us, that you served and you sacrificed and you gave your life as a ransom for many. You gave your life for us. We fix our eyes on you today and we praise you and we thank you for who you are and for what you have done. We love you. We love you, Jesus. And we want to love you more. So God, during this period of Lent, let our thanksgiving and our praise overflow into devotion. Let us open our ears during these weeks to hear more clearly your call of discipleship. And may we answer that call at every turn, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging. Help us to recognize that even in difficult things, there's joy in the journey. And in that moment, God, would you give us courage and strength to choose joy and to take the next step in our journey with you. And God, for everything that you do and for all that you accomplish, we will give you the thanks 
and the praise. In Jesus' name.